marching our way through the gospel according to Luke. I'm going to read all the way through this this morning, and then we're going to come back and, 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 and work through it. I want to do that today because I do believe that the scriptures have power. And there may be something that God speaks to you before I get in the way <laughs> that you need to hear. We hope that that doesn't happen. But let's give him a shot, okay? An argument started. This is Luke 9, 46 and following. An argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. Jesus, knowing their Thoughts, he didn't overhear the conversation. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, took a little child and had him stand next to him. And then he said, whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For it is the one who is least among you who is the greatest. Master, John said, we saw someone driving out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he is not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said. For whoever is not against you is for you. As the time approached for him to be taken up into heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. There is a ton in this. I need to stop and read it again. As the time approached, a different version says, as it was fulfilled, we're going to stop on that, for him to be taken up into heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? Jesus turned and rebuked them. Shame on you. There we go. Then he and the other disciples went on to another village. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus said, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Do y'all, does anybody else get this? Riddle me this, riddle me that. He said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. You go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one puts a hand to the plow and looks back. And he who does is not fit for service in the kingdom of God. All right. Some simple truths here for a setting out of the beginning of individuals ministry and the collective groups ministry moving forward. They have experienced God. They have seen signs and wonders of God. God has gone up to the top 
of the mountain. He has transfigured himself before three of them last week, meaning nine of them did not experience it. They came back down to find the disciples and others unable to perform a healing where Jesus says, how long, how long am I going to put up with y'all's foolishness? That's a loose translation, but it's close. And he is able to cast out the demon immediately. All of this has happened, and we get to the first passage. Listen, all of these things are simple. They have all been experienced by all of us, and Jesus addresses them at the outset. Number one, an argument started among the disciples. It's important to know how this probably went down. What just happened? There were nine disciples at the bottom of the mountain. All right, think about this. And there were other people around who had watched and experienced Jesus' healing. And the three disciples and Jesus were up on the mountain. And a man brings a boy in. And the disciples down at the bottom are, are, are trying to cast this out. And shoo, uh, go, in Jesus' name, get out. And, and nothing happens. And Jesus gets down. And Peter, James, and John are standing there. And you, listen, Peter, listen, Peter's arrogant. Any other reading of the scripture is, is wrong. Peter is a child in his arrogance. He just, he just wants to pull his sword out and cut off an ear and protect Jesus with all he's got, but he doesn't think all the time. Don't you think that Peter, James, and John were sitting there going, yeah, we were up on the mountain. If we'd have been here, we could have taken care of that. We could have done this one. You know, these guys say they're not where we are, and uh, and uh, so on in this. Tell me y'all don't think that happened. They're over there muttering to themselves, we got this. Peter, you think you could have done it first? John, John, no, John, I could have done it first. We're the sons of thunder, James and John, we got this. Jesus is over there going, wah, wah, wah. Right, right? Jesus just cast the guy out. And you know, don't you think what Jesus wanted to say is, who's your daddy? Anybody? Anybody? Y'all are big and bad when you want to step in the ring with each other. Who wants to get in the ring with me? Jesus is wah, 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 all right? So instead of going, fellas, fellas, he looks around and he finds this, this, this six, five, six, seven-year-old little boy. He says, Psst, come here. He pops down on a rock, pops this kid right up on his leg. Depending on the gospel you get, he's either standing at his side, incredibly important, Incredibly important. Why? Because when the disciples want to know who's going to be the greatest in one of the other gospels, what do they ask? If they can stand on his, yes. So the fact that the Bible says, again, teaching, the fact that the Bible says that he put him by his side was kind of like, you know, kind of like Mike, Mike Tyson punch out. Mighty blow, mighty blow, mighty blow. Jesus just calls the kid over and goes, burr, 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 and the disciples go, burr. because listen, it's not just about child mentality. There are two ways to learn from this. All right, faith like a child, okay? But that's actually in a different passage. We should have a childlike faith. We should take things from Jesus as if we would take them from a parent. If a parent says, I'm going to feed you, the child knows they're going to be fed. If I say, let's go eat, eat nugget heads for the high chair, there is nothing in her mind that thinks that I'm not going to get muffins and yogurt. She knows what's coming. Jesus wants us to believe in him like that. But that's not what this passage is about. You see, children were of very little value in the society at that time. They, they couldn't work. They were an extra mouth to feed. 
if they were a male, eventually, maybe if they were the firstborn male, they would, they would grow up, but, but they were weak. They were, they were tiny. They, were, they needed someone to constantly care for them. And so when Jesus says, the weak among you is the one by my side right now, what does that tell you, Pete? How's that make you feel, James? And does that not coincide with, inasmuch as you have done to the least of these, my brethren, you have done it, what? Unto me. Give them your coat. Give them some food. Take care of the widows and the orphans. At the beginning of their ministry, Jesus is setting out a standard. Don't get cocky. It's not about you. My right, my left, my front, my back doesn't matter when you get that this matters. If you can stand on your own enough to talk about it, Find somebody else to help stand. That is the ministry of Jesus. If you can stand on your own, find somebody else to help stand. There's two other options. There's two other options. Sit around and talk about how much you got or build bigger barns. And both of those people got reprimanded by the master. He's setting out the servant spirit now. And he's saying, if you've got this thing set up in your mind where I am supposed to build a beautiful, powerful, large kingdom on this earth and raise up our statute and raise up our standard and raise us up socially and economically, you have failed before you have started. It is the weak, the meek, the hurting, the lonely, the widows, and the orphans that we need to be about. So if you want to know who's going to be at my right hand, it's the one who becomes the servant. Look at Philippians chapter 2, a hymn about the life of Christ. For he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but became a man, not only a man, but a man who would wash feet, not only a man who would wash feet, but a man who could be eternal, Jesus was, but died. Not only did he die, he died the most horrible, Terrific death of that time. What happened? But God exalted him to the highest place that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. This is the essence of the gospel. Faith like a child and reaching all God's children, no matter the status. That's part one. When Jesus lays down the law or makes his point, when your mom comes at you and she caught your hand in the cookie jar and you're like, but, 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 okay, this is that. This is that. So John looks up and kind of, kind of brushes himself off after he's been schooled and he goes, well, 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 well Jesus, <laughs> uh, uh, we saw this guy. We saw this guy. N- not, not in our crew, all right? We saw this Methodist. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There were some Presbyterians right over there. And then, and then, and then, and then, they dunked somebody. There were a few Christians down the road. They dunked people in a pond, not in a blue tub. Jesus, I tried to stop them. 
I, I couldn't believe I visited their church and they took communion. Every week! Their preacher, their preacher came out in bathrobes! What? You're too young. Guys, that's, that's what John is doing here. He's not talking about false teachers. He's not talking about, he's talking about that other group. Jesus, before the divides ever took place, before we had Baptist, Presbyterian, Methodist, Christian, Church of God, Southern Baptist, Independent Baptist, Holy Ghost-filled Baptist, people of Wisconsin, before we had all of these things separated by the number of days we have communion, the way you want to dress, the color of the carpet in the sanctuary, whether you're going to use a hose or a tub, before all of that happened, Jesus said, this is going to happen. And do you know what he did? Do not stop him. He rebuked them. If they're not against you, they're for you. I got a yes from Cassandra. Listen to me. It does not matter if I preach 25 minutes or Moses preaches two hours and 25 minutes. If we're preaching Jesus, we're on the same team. It doesn't matter that I am dressed in my Sunday best flannel and Brother Moses is dressed in his three-piece suit. It doesn't matter. If he's not against you, he is for you. Let me pause. There are some against you. Do not rise up and spend energy or time on it unless you are a pastor or an elder. That's actually not your calling. It is my job to separate you from the frost prophets. But you know from the pulpit, I will not condemn another brother right or wrong by name. But I will sit with you in the coffee house or in my office and say, you listen to this. This sentence is blasphemous. It is not biblical, and you should not buy into it. That's my job. What should you do? Find a child. There's your next t-shirt. What's your job? Find a kid. Find a child. Love a child. Not just a child, but the weak, the burdened, the heavy laden. Because guess who Jesus called? What's that scripture? Come unto me, all you who are confident and cocky and know the scriptures. <laughs> Come to me, all you who are checking off your box for 47 weeks in a row. You've been in church. Come to me, all of you who raised your hands this Sunday morning and were just a few inches closer to the Savior. <laughs> no! Come to me what? All you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will. If Jesus were here, if Jesus lived in Nicholasville, here's my question. Where do you think he'd spend most of his time? I, I don't need your answer. I need you to ask yourself, where do you think he would spend most of his time? Let me wrap a little bow on that. Before the meat of the ministry of the disciples ever began, Jesus takes four or five verses to teach two things. 
two things. Do not let pride stand in your way because it never has been and never will be about you. And when it comes to your church and your family and the group that you run with, the same thing is true. Emmanuel and Southland are no greater than Mount Freedom and, and, and Mount Pleasant. That is why we start right here with this one thing. Jesus is the ultimate. Craig is not. Steve is not. Worship is not. Jesus. We're chasing Jesus. And if they are too, pat them on their butt, tell them good game, and send them on their way. And if they are not, wipe the dust off your feet and move on. Then we have this. This is a deeply theological sentence, whether you understand that or not. I don't know that I fully understand it. I bet it skipped over, though. I really do. Wouldn't you think that this one would be kind of passed over in the story? This is the sentence right here. As the time approached, as it was fulfilled, is what the uh, Greek would, would be rendered, okay? For him to be taken into heaven, for him to follow the call for him to do that which was formerly set out. Jesus resolutely, Jesus without question, Jesus by way of a unbreakable contract, Jesus by a resolving in his spirit that nothing could hinder this. He sets out for Jerusalem. He turns toward Jerusalem. He faces Jerusalem. He is going to go to Jerusalem for what? The hill, Golgotha, the cross. He turns his nose to the place where he will be killed and he keeps his focus there from this point on. Why? Because it was time? No. Why? Because he was not scared? No. Why? Hold on. Because he wanted to? Let me blow your minds. No. No one who wants to praise, Father, let this cup pass from me. Sometimes you got to do what you don't want to do because God prefers the son who says he won't but obeys than the son who says he will but never raises a finger. Jesus followed through. Why? Because he resolutely turned his nose toward Jerusalem. Why? Because the time was fulfilled. For something to be fulfilled, what has to happen before that? What has to happen for something to be fulfilled? It has to be a plan. It has to be spoken. It has to be set out in motion. Golgotha was not a happenstance. It was not an accident. It was not a surprise to Jesus. He came to earth knowing that there would be a day that he would turn and face his grave and he would resolve to go there for you because it was set out from the beginning of time. Thank you, Jesus. And on his way to do what God had called him to do, he ran into people who did not like him. It ain't no secret that the sharks and the jets and the Capulets and the Montagues 
and the volunteers and the wildcats didn't like each other. Ain't no secret. So when Jesus has to go through Samaria, because no detour. No. Samaritan woman taught us that. I'll go through. Y'all can go around if you want to. Jesus resolutely sets on his way. And guess what? He's going to run into people who don't like him. He sent some fellers on ahead. Loose translation again. Disciples, fellers, same word. He sends them on ahead and he says, Jesus, we ain't got no place to sleep tonight. They kicked us out. You know, the Samaritans don't like us and they know where we came from because, you know, you've been healing people and everybody knows. And they know where we're going because Passover's coming. It's that time. I'm headed in. So they don't like us, so they said no. The disciples get, well, they get their shorts in a wad. All right? They, they, they get a little bit perturbed. And so they, their arrogance is still running firm in them. And so they, what they do is they reference Elijah. You want me to call down some fire from heaven on them, God? You want me to call it down to burn them up? Jesus like, no! Stop with your guns a-blazing, all right? Set your eyes on me. Not on winning, not on numbers, not on growth. Set your eyes on me. Let's move on. Guys, there's our, there's our word from the Lord. Stop letting the naysayers, the mutterers, the 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 False prophets, the, the, the oopsie-daisy days, the accidents that are going to happen. Stop letting that overwhelm you, overcome you, and stop thinking you have to spend time and energy damaging that. Why would you spend energy tearing others apart when God called you to build the kingdom up? Don't waste your energy on the negative, on the tearing down. Spend it all on the building up. There's part three. Sent the disciples to another village. Keep on keeping on. This is a hard part. This is a hard part. This one, this one could be hard to break down if you were a sunshine blowing, you know, God is so good, you know, love always wins, there's never going to be any bad, and, and you know, Jesus' gift is free, and you don't have to count the cost, and it's okay, just do what you want to do, and everybody's going to be okay. Well, no. When you do what you do, and everybody's going to be okay, your churches start to dissolve. They get really big, really fast, because everybody loves it. Then accountability is gone then challenge is gone. Then necessities of the called are gone. And then people who don't believe are gone. And Jesus talked about this up front. It's happening in our churches across the country. And because, you ready for this? Because it's happening in our churches, it's happening in our families. And because it's happening in our families, it's happening in our politics. And because it's happening in our politics, it's happening in our nation. And slowly and surely, there is a breakdown because what I want and what you want and what they want can all coexist in the same place. They cannot your truth, my truth, his truth, and her truth will never coincide. There must be one truth. 
And if there is one truth, we all have one call. And if there is one call, we all have to continue to be pointed in that direction. So that means that when your head is turned away from your Jerusalem, you have said, it's my job to turn your head. So when I grab your chin and I turn your head from looking at that other woman when you should be looking at your spouse, from looking at that other thing you should do with your money when you need to be doing it for the Lord, you've given me that right and I'm just keeping your eyes on Jerusalem. And if more people kept their eyes on Jerusalem, churches would be healthier, families would be healthier, nations would be healthier. Are you getting what's coming out of my mouth? This is why Jesus says what he says. It is not mean, it is beautiful. A man said, I will follow you wherever you go. I love this church. I love those songs. I love being here. I feel so good when I'm here. I just enjoy the fellowship when I'm here. Foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Let me translate that for you. Son, you ain't got no idea what you're signing up for. What do you mean? Well, we actually expect you to be in church more than once a month. What do you mean? Twelve whole times a year. Man, I was in church twelve times before two weeks were up when I was a kid. Cassandra, are you with me? Man. Halloween, Christmas, hide and go see. I learned every game inside the church house. I knew where every nook and cranny of that church was. Nobody could find me. I was this big. Foxes have holes, dens, birds have nests. The Son of Man has no place to lay his head. I would love to blow sunshine, but I cannot. This journey ends with crucifixion. Nights are going to happen where you're not going to have a home. People are going to kick you out. You're going to have uncomfortable conversations. People are going to lie, cheat, and steal about you. Sign up, don't sign up. I don't care. But don't look me in the eyes and say I'll go anywhere till you know where it is you go. Hence the reason we have Coffee and Covenant. Here's what you can expect of us. Here's what we expect of you. Do not sign that piece of paper unless you concede that I ain't perfect. I've said it once, I'll say it again. If you are looking for a perfect pastor who will not let you down, please go somewhere else. Go somewhere else. I ain't he of whom you seek. So the first thing Jesus says is, <laughs> it ain't easy. And anybody who tells you it is, is lying. And you're welcome to tell them. Do you know how to do that, church? Do you know how to tell them? You do not say you are a liar. You do say that is a... If they hear liar out of that, that's on them. But you do not say you are a liar. You say that is a lie. Don't make it about the individual. Make it about the sin. We'll all be better off if we all start doing that. Jesus said to a different man, hey, follow me. By the way, the only invitation Jesus ever gave, not to the altar, not to the baptismal pool, not to the preacher, not to the church, one invitation, two words long, follow me, onward. But he replied, Lord, let me go bury my father. Listen, this is, this is church, this is Jewish, this is family, this is all good things. What's my phrase? 
We're not about the good things. We're about the God things. All good things are not God things. They use this for a reason. Taking care of your elders, your parents, and your family was a call of the church. It is a really good thing to do. But Jesus says, if I call you, all other things go by the wayside. Church, without, let me, I'm going to look this way. Listen to me so I don't look anybody in the eye. If you are called to be his, if you are called to be his disciple, all other things go by the wayside. Children no longer come first. Sports no longer come first. Money no longer comes first. Jobs no longer come first. Your spouse no longer comes first. Jesus comes first. The rest is idolatry. Follow me. Let, me. let me go bury my dad. No. I gave you a call. Follow it. Don't follow it. That's on you. I will still love you, but don't come. Push the chips all in. Jesus wasn't as nice as I was. Y'all thought I was mean, but Jesus said, let the dead bury their own dead. That ain't Jesus. <laughs> but you, you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Do you know why? Do you know why you use that phrase? Every person who does not know Jesus is spiritually. And we are called to bring what? What could he do about his father's physical death? The call is about raising the dead to life, and that wasn't going to happen. But out there are millions who are dying. We have the life. Still another said, Lord, I'm going to follow you first. I, I'm, I am going to follow you. I'm not going to go back and do any job. I just want to say goodbye. No big deal, right? I mean, you can go say goodbye if you want to, but I'm asking you to work. I'm asking you to go. I'm asking you to turn your nose one direction and make a beeline there. Nobody puts his hand on the plow and looks backwards. Here's the reference. When you plowed back in the day, you steered two oxen, and your job was to fix your eyes on a point at the other end of the field, and you kept it steered there. If you looked at the point of the, 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 the plow, all right, you would do this, and you never knew where you were going, and you would end up like that, like that Geico commercial or whatever where the guy's got the white line all over the baseball field. Jesus said, you can do it if you want to, but you're going to be doing dandelion, semicircle, all of this all around and not here. So you got a choice. Here's what Jesus says now. You got a choice. Don't come or here. Not because I don't want you. Not because I don't love you. Not because I will stop loving you. Because you can only do the job this way. Everything else is messing the job up. I wish you were either one or the other, but because you are lukewarm, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. This whole Bible coming together thing is just getting crazy, don't you think? It's like he intended it. <sighs> I don't know what to do with you, Jesus. You, gotta, you have got to stop making sense. 
You've got to stop this whole being right thing. It's a little annoying. Or it's fulfilling. Somebody write that down. I'm going to leave on that one. (laughs) Go be fulfilled. Let's pray. God, you know full well that there is so much that, 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 that I, can, I can read and, and, and that I can hear and that I can learn and that I can listen to. And, 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 and God, you also know that I am incapable of, of, of the majesty of your word and the, the, the brilliance of, of, of your glory and, and the radiance of, of your teachings and, and, and the word becoming flesh, becoming alive in us. So I want to give you the praise and you the glory and you the honor for, for, for all of this this morning because you know, you know that I can't, I can't do this. At the same time, I pray that now that, that this has been done, that, that the messenger has shared the message and that it is out there, that the disciples turn their eyes upon Jesus and they look full into his wonderful face, that all of the worries and the things of this world grow dim in the light of your glory and grace, and that they run. Not that they have already obtained this, but that they decide that the one thing they will do is fix their eyes on what is before them and leave behind what is behind them and press on toward the goal. I pray that for Steve. I pray that for Nikki. I pray that for Lila. I pray that for Dale. I pray that for Rick. I pray that for Deb. I pray it for all sitting in this place in Jesus' name. And amen.